This episode of the Morning Skate is brought to you by Laga Sports. Laga Sports specializes in making 100% custom, fully sublimated uniforms and apparel for a variety of sports, but they're known for the premium quality and creativity of hockey jerseys. They have a one-price, any-design policy. It doesn't matter if you're looking for a simple NHL style or if you're wanting to create jerseys that look like Rebel Fighters from Star Wars. The price will always be the same, and the design of possibilities are endless. Check them out at lagasports.com. That is lagasports.com. L-A-G-A-S-P-O-R-T-S dot com. Own your look, own the game. You'll lose 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to show. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Saturday, November 3rd, it's Ken and Hal here, it's 11.45 on a Saturday night, Hal said you need to get pumped up, did that intro just pump you up, Hal? No, not really, I did like a double take, but... Um, yeah, it looked, it looked more or less like I scared you more than anything. Yeah, <laughs> I felt uncomfortable for a few seconds. But I apologize. How you doing, buddy? I'm alright, man, just another, another week in paradise, same shit, how about you? I had a bit of a rough week. We'll talk about it a little bit later in the podcast, but uh, this podcast is going to be filled with shit. We're going to start with NHL in the news. Then we're going to interview three-time Stanley Cup winning, first American to ever score 500 goals, Hall of Famer, Lady Bing Wiener. Wow, Lady Bing Wiener, I almost said. Lady Bing Winner, Joey Mullen. He'll come on and talk about his career. It was really cool. Then we'll take uh, Twitter questions. We we were gonna do Patty B hotline and Patty B said he sent in a voicemail and he must he must have dialed the wrong number because we didn't get one. Uh, and can you then imagine, can you imagine that person who has that voicemail on their phone right now? Oh, dude, I uh, I, I Instagrammed out a picture the other day and it was like Rick Jenneret's Halloween costume and it was him like dressed as Frankenstein and I think like Seth commented on it is that Patty B and it had me fucking dying. I thought that was really funny and then uh, we'll end with our. Uh, Lee Stepniak's Heroes and Zeros. Uh, So let's just get into it. NHL News, let's go. All right, NHL in the news time. We're going to start off uh, with our Carter Hutton uh, countdown. Still only at four wins. He's four or five, and he has an overtime loss. The Sabres won today. I don't know. It was nine-something. I was pumped. I was like, Carter got another win. He must not have been in net. Uh, this is a big bounce back week for Hal in in this in this bet that we have going. What do you have on Carter Hutton, dude? He dropped the ball, huh? Yeah, so I'm feeling really good, boys and girls. Uh, the reason why last week I was talking about like the only way this countdown will work is if he blows a knee. But one, I don't hope that happens. Two, I found the alternative, and his name is Linus Olmark. <laughs> uh, he played tonight. Young Swede, 25 years old, six four, big stature and net. Four games played this year is 3-0-1. Oh, that's a bad look for Carter Hyde. With a 9.34 save percentage. No. <laughs> uh, I would also like to mention that in his call-up last year, he only played five games where he had a 9.35 save percentage. 
So he might be the real deal. Um, goalie controversy. I smell it coming. There's not a, there's not any position, any individual in the world that I could trust with the name Linus. That's not going to last. Linus is the Charlie Brown character who holds the fucking security blanket the whole time. Right? I, I mean, I guess, dude, but... I, and that's a very valid point. That's why I don't have anything to say to that. But I, I, I got to bring something else up with you. Kind of scurrying away. We didn't talk about this, so I'm glad that I just thought of this. Swedish Buffalo Sabre goalies, our boy, Robin Leonard. Yeah. Um, for the first place in their division, Islanders is rocking a 245 goals against average with a 928 save percentage. He looks like a starter. That's one year, $1.5 million. Here's my hopes. Robin Leonard uh, plays one his bag off this year for the Islanders, and then he signs a big ticket with a better team, maybe like the Flames or somebody like that, replaces Mike Smith, goes out there, and he becomes an all-star. I can feel it coming. The Robin Leonard train, I'm all on. Bounce back story. Is Thomas, it's Thomas Grice on Islanders? He is, isn't he? I feel like Thomas Grice is always like the number two on the Islanders. Yeah, but I just I think I just read somewhere in his last last three starts, he's had 105 shots and he stopped 102 of them. I so, mean, stay hot, Thomas Grice. I yeah, I feel like he's Thomas Grice is he's always like an Islanders or Penguins backup goalie. I don't know. <coughs> yeah, I don't You're, know. Yeah, he is. He's on the Islanders. You're right. <coughs> I apologize if I cough during this podcast. I've been really, really sick also. So if you guys want to send some thoughts and prayers my way, I'd appreciate it. Um, we're going to jump right into it. <clears throat> Vander Kane. So a TMZ report just came out and said that Vander Kane owes this one girl $3 million. And this is kind of a little background on it. In 2016, he got her pregnant and made her get rid of it. And then in 2017, he got her pregnant and made her get rid of it. And then in 2018, he got her pregnant, and she didn't want to get rid of it. So he said he'd pay her $3 million. She got rid of it. Evander Kane didn't pay her $3 million. Evander Kane, man, like, what is going on? A week or two ago, I was watching the Sharks. It was like a late game. I flipped on, like, NBCSN or something. And I was like, you know what? Evander Kane's having a good season. He signed a long-term deal with the Sharks. There's not really any, like, media hype around him right fitting. now. Yeah. And then, like... This comes out. 24 hours later, this happened. So, I mean, we're just right back to square one. Yeah. Don't know if it's true or not. It's all allegedly. Um, but I, can you, if this is true and he was, like, in Las Vegas, like, doing those, like, phone call, like, photo shoots on the balcony with, like, thousands of dollars up to his ear, like, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Vander Kane just needs to, like, fucking chill out, dude. <laughs> just, yeah, just hang out, man. Yeah, like, I I don't know. I don't really want to get into this because I don't want to say anything wrong. Like, obviously, you know, like, I think this is a huge scumbag move if this is if this is what happened, allegedly. And, I mean, we have to talk about it because he's a hockey player and this is big news, but it's one of those things where it's like, uh, I don't really know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, maybe if Evander Kane was hanging out at, like, Phil Kessel and Tyler Bozak's Shakers yeah. that they're at and playing pool and video games, maybe you wouldn't be getting in trouble. Yeah. But, like, at a certain point, dude, like, and you're right, this is a sensitive subject, but, and I, and once again, I don't know if this is true or not, like, Patrick Kane is a good example because he reached a certain point where he was just getting in trouble nonstop, so he just, like, stopped going out. Yeah. Like, I think, like, and I know that probably sucks for guys like that. Like, I'm in the NHL, why would I do that? But maybe just, like, steer clear for, like, a little bit. Right? Like, and also, 
it happened twice. Like you would think, like maybe I should stop hanging out with this girl. Yeah, yeah. Like this isn't good. Like I like. We don't have to get even deeper, like, but maybe use some protection, dude. Like, yeah, wrap it up, dude. <laughs> what's what's a, what's the only way to practice safe, <clears throat> to practice safe sex, dude? I don't want, dude. Abstinence, dude. That's true, but at the same time, dude. I mean, how much is a pack of condoms? Seven bucks. That is. They probably, true. They probably give them away in hotel rooms. They're probably right next to the Bibles in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, you missed my fucking Andy Bernard reference right there. So we'll we'll, we'll hop on to the. Uh, to the next subject. Uh, since they began playing together on October 20th, Jeff Skinner, 8 goals, 5 assists. Jason Pommelville, 7 goals, 6 assists. And Jack Eichel, 1 goal, 11 assists. Are the top 3 scores in the NHL. Are the Sabres the real deal, dude? Can Pommelville population keep it up, dude? That's the only thing that's got me shook on this. I don't know if the Sabres are the real deal. Could I see them maybe getting an 8 seed? Yes. Could I also see them not finishing, like, finishing in the bottom 5? Absolutely. So... But the story for me is Pommerville, dude. I feel like this dude's been around for 25 years. I feel like he sucked for like the last seven. There was nothing like it. And I mean, you can attest to it because you lived it a little more than me. The Pommerville population of the late 2000s, early 2010s was maybe the greatest fan group of all time. Uh, Do you want to touch on that? Yeah, I sat in that section one time. I saw a Sabres-Sharks game and I didn't even know we got those tickets but we walked all the way to the fucking top and I turned around on the wall and said Pommerville population. Like, where the fuck are we right now? So it's not even like you have to like, it's like a club of like walked off tickets. It's like you could just end up Pommerville population. Yeah, it's not like, it's not, it's not Aaron Judge's fucking, what do they call it, Yankee Stadium? I would not The Chambers, the Chambers or whatever. It's nothing like that. It's like, <clears throat> oh, we have a couple tickets left. Do you want these? Oh, I'm in Pommerville population. Yeah. <clears throat> it's kind of like that. Yeah. Do you remember those history will be made commercials? Yeah. I, I, whenever I think of Jason Pommerville, I think of like a history will be made commercial of when Milan Lucic beat the shit out of Drew Stafford and it like rewinds it and it's like Pommerville and Stafford on the bench and they're doing like rock, paper, scissors. Like, all right, who has to do this right now? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, Dude, I don't know. He was drafted in two thousand two, which is crazy. I he's a real. I mean, do you like oh two thousand one? Do you like Pominville as a hockey player? Like back in the no. day, he was the captain of their team. No, I've never liked Pominville. I mean, I'm just I'm trying to compare him, like who he would be as a player on like the Rangers or I don't or the there Bruins. Isn't comparable. There isn't like like a really shitty step on, I guess. And I didn't like step on to begin with. You know how you can tell if a player is sick or not that sick? If in the last 10 years they signed a big deal with the Minnesota Wild towards the end of their career. That's how you know a guy probably wasn't that good. Daniel Winnick. <laughs> What's next? <dude? laughs> All right. Uh, this Pagnata guy. L.A. and Carolina have expressed significant interest in Toronto's William Nylander, told the Hurricanes have requested and possibly received permission to talk to Nylander's agent. If you're William Nylander and your agent calls you and he's like, hey, we may get you a trade, and guess where you may go? You may go to Carolina, and and you may have to jump into the glass after games and do this really cool salute. I'm hanging up the phone. Yeah, I I mean, that's a tough look, like, because it, the other thing too that like I find interesting is like you're right. Is William Nylander want to go down to the nerd population, in Carolina? Is he gonna want to go to L.A. with all those old guys and like? 
can the other thing is can LA afford a big contract for him? I feel like they have twenty five huge contracts. Yeah, I, I I'm busting on Carolina's balls a little bit about it. It, it could be a fit, right? Because I think if the if the Leafs are going to trade Nylander, they're probably going to want a younger type defenseman, and that that I mean Carolina has a surplus of younger defensemen who are pretty fucking good, right? Yeah, I, I feel like they do, but at the same time, the only like, don't they have a surplus of forwards too? Like, they have a good amount of young forwards. I guess you can always have more, but like, I feel like the the amount of defensemen that they have that are great and young, like, I would want to hold on to that if I were them. Like, they could have that core for the next eight years. Yeah, and like, I just is William Nylander that good? We've kind of been yeah, over this. Yeah, I'm a I am a William Nylander believer, but I I think he needs to figure it out. Where's the what happened to the Rangers? Do they out you? I Rangers are going after Panarin, bud. We we, we have big we have bigger fish we want. What is but what does that accomplish for the Rangers? What do you mean? Panarin's sick. We have a franchise type forward. Yeah, but the rest of your team stinks. <laughs> yeah, but alright. You wanna talk to the little Rangers right now, bud? Is that what you wanna do? I mean quickly, <laughs> what do you got? Alright. First round pick this year, Vitaly Kratsev. Over in the KHL right now, if you look at the amount of points he's put up in in the years that he's played. He's on the same line as Tarasenko and and Panarin, around the around the same ish. So he's been tearing it up. DeAndre Miller, ever heard of him? Fucking crushing it for the Wisconsin Badgers right now. And Nils Lumquist, their other first round pick this year from Sweden. Uh, I think he leads leads the league in the Swedish league or whatever for under twenty one year olds with points, and he's only nineteen. So there's three picks right there. On top of that, you have Filipito. You have uh, Elias Anderson, who still really hasn't cracked the NHL yet. And we suck this year. So if, you t- if you're telling me that we get a top two pick this year and either Jack Hughes or my favorite Kapu Kaku or Kaku Kapo or whatever, not looking that bad, dude. You, you bring in Panarin. Everybody loves playing in New York. I know this year it's just kind of like a fucking throwaway game in Rochester, but future's bright, dude. I just – I my one – issue with that is like last week you were like down on Heedle and no still still well yeah still sorting him the only reason I'm down on Heedle is because everybody keeps sucking his dick and he hasn't like done anything yet yeah I yeah Keandre Miller like DeAndre dude or is it Keandre fuck I gotta look that up that's a rough look for me with that is like you know how many prospects have put up seven points in nine games fuck it's Keandre it's Keandre Miller I apologize I just color me color me not unimpressed dude but like that core you have good young prospects but not gonna be ready for Panarin's prime and then you just kind of have a 32 year old right winger I don't know man I think you bring in Panarin Add a couple up other like fucking what am I talking about? Add a couple other people who are pretty good. I don't know. All right, and then we have the Russian goalie hopefully coming over next year. She's Shortchin to print. Why? Why rebuild? <laughs> Just get a fucking European player, Russian player at a high cost. Yeah, dude. but Panarin's good, dude. Panarin's really good. He's not like he he can be a number one guy. I didn't think it either until I saw him on Columbus last year. I remember when Columbus got him, I was like, fuck, that's a shitty trade for the Blue Jackets. He just rode Patrick Kane's coattails. It wasn't like that at all. Rick Nash was the number one guy for Columbus. Marion Gabrick was the number one guy for Minnesota. 
I don't know. What, I don't know what you want from me, dude. Do you want me to tell you that the Rangers are going to suck for the next however many no, years that we want? I want. I want you to tell me that the responsible thing for the Rangers would not to be giving away pieces for Panarin and to fucking rebuild. No, no, no. It wouldn't be giving away pieces. It would be a signing. Free agent. Same. Free agent. No, it's not the same. Why are you going to... It's the same. It no. doesn't make... You have to... Because you have to... At the end of the day, you have to tank, like... You have to think somewhat. What do you think we're doing right now? Then why get Panarin? You can't tank for one, two years, dude. You got one more year left, dude. Remember the Leafs? Five-year plan, dude. You got to be on, like, at least a three-year plan. You're on the 1.5-year plan, dude. I disagree, dude. Give me, feed, What's next? Feed me Panarin. What's next, dude? All right, whatever, dude. We'll put a tracker on that. What's right. next? All right. Okay, since the NHL started tracking goalie save percentage in 1955-56... John Gibson has a 9.24. Antiron has a 9.22. Have the highest career save percentages of goalies. 100 plus games played since then. So you're the biggest John Gibson hater of all time. So riddle me this: What's happening? I have not a fucking clue, dude. I like. I saw this stat and I'm like, eh, I'm. I was wrong. Like, is he? Has he always been like that? No. I mean, yeah, dude. Yes, he's been nasty since he was a rookie. It just seems like he's. I think I think the reason you think he's sick but not that sick is because one he's always injured or two like the Ducks lose in the first round. I don't really think it's his problem when they lose in the first round. I I don't know, man. Like I get what you're saying, and I think Gibbs is better than you do. But like, kind of a shocking stat, I guess. I think my my always biggest issue with Gibson is he's never been able to just like I don't know. I feel like the Ducks have always had like a number two goalie that. Isn't just a number two, if that makes sense. Like they yeah, had Freddie yeah, Anderson, like right, and Ryan Miller, who, I mean, I would Chris I would assume Ball, that Ryan, yeah, Hiller. they've never, and this yeah. may be wrong, but I feel like he's never really been given the keys. But maybe I think he has, no. like yeah, like now I think so for sure, and I, those stats kind of blew me away. To be honest, I got a uh, a secondary question for you, which is. So, obviously, Auntie Ranta's number two, and you're a big Ranta guy. But my question is, when Ranta and Talbot were the backups, which one did you trust more to win you a game? That's a good question. Uh, I can't really answer that because it's been so many years since Talbot was in net. I remember when Talbot was in net that I really, really, really did like Talbot. Didn't he go on, like, a heater one year? Yeah, Hank got hurt. He got like a uh, like a I think it was a stick in in the throat or a puck in the throat. So Talbot he actually won the Stephen McDonald's Extra Effort Award one year because he he single handedly kept the Rangers like in playoff picture. So he was awesome. But when Anti Ranta played, dude, like he was solid. Always really, really, really fucking solid. Like the Rangers have been pretty blessed with backup goalies. Georgiev in his first game he let up like eight goals, which was really shitty. But ever since he played that game, he's been fucking spot on. You know what it is? Ben Wallaire, dude. You hate him, but Benny. Benny Lair, man. That guy he's a legend when it comes to goalies, so Yeah, but here's my here's my thing. What happened with Pavlik last year, dude? I mean it's Andre Pavlik, dude. He can't fucking do miracles. Well, I thought he could, dude. I, I guess, you know, I can't hate on the guy because obviously he has a good track record, but I do think Padlick shows. He's not superhuman. He is, in fact, oh normal. Oh, God, dude. He has one he's grip on the, the Raider. He has Pavlik for one year. And Pavlik was hurt, too. So let's not forget that. All right, let's forget it, dude. What's next? Jesus Christ. Why are these all coming back to the Rangers? Pekka Rene, two-year extension. He's making $6 million and then $4 million. 
What do you have on this one? Pecorini's always been a pretty fucking good goalie too. Guy can control the puck. He's big. He, he's, I don't know. He's he's been a staple in Nashville for forever. Yeah, here's a stupid thing I'm about to say. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, UC Soros is what 23 years old. I'm looking it up now. He has a career 922 save percentage. He played really well when Rene was out. He's at, like, I'm sure he's probably up for a contract right now. I think he's, like, under a million what he's making. Like, you have a 23-year-old goalie who's good, and you have one of the best defenses in the league. Like, I'm not going to hate on them re-signing Rene, but he struggled in the playoffs last year, and he's going to be 38 at the end of this contract. And I know it's not a ton of money, but, like, I feel like if the Predators went out and bought, like, a sniper for their second line, like, they're a good hockey team. They're a very good hockey team. That would make a large difference for them to spend that money elsewhere. But what do you have on that? I think this is just kind of like the Ray Bork thing. Like, Let him go. Well, that's what you're – yeah, but I think Nashville's just trying to do right by him, right? Like, Nashville's never always been good. And the one consistent thing that they've had is Pecorini always has been. So I, I kind of respect it. I think it kind of shows loyalty in a, in a sport where – Business sometimes shows a little bit more than the loyalty. So, like, I'm kind of on board for that. Having said that, if he fucking sucks the next two years, that kind of blows. But I think that they think he'll at least stay the course. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's fine, too. Because if you think about it, Saros will still be, like, 26 yeah. by the time. Okay. He'll still be young, and it's not like the Nashville only has one or two more years. Yeah. I mean, and it's $6 million the first and $4 million the second. So, if he gives you one more good year, I guess it's worth it. It just... I don't know, man. And I'm also saying this after he just shut out my Boston Bruins. So, yeah. uh, whatever. What's next? Uh, there are reports that a uh, club hockey team, ACHA, is going to go D1. It hasn't come out what one it, what team it is yet. I saw reports that it could be Illinois, which would be weird. Um, your question, what school would you want to go D1 in club hockey? Yeah, so, I mean, I... Let's try to, if you can, stick to, like, D1 schools so it's somewhat realistic. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it'd be cool if they started doing it down in, like, SEC schools. I don't know if it would ever take off, but, like, if, if SEC schools could start having D1 fucking hockey programs, I think a lot of people would go play there. Yeah. Uh, right? Like, if they, if, they, if they formed an SEC division of hockey teams – and everybody kind of agreed to it, I think you would see a lot of hockey players go down and play there. Yeah, dude, I, I think so too. Um, well, it would just kind of depend on the fans, but it seems like maybe a few schools, dude, like one what huge example would be like Tennessee, dude, if they're watching what Nashville's doing right now, like mm-hmm. maybe you can create that same atmosphere for college. Like they have crazy fans. I mean, Alabama, like, their basketball team stinks, and I feel like kids would want to play hockey there. Maybe that's not a bad choice either. Well, so I, all I, those schools yeah. already, like, packed the rink. Shout out to our girl Kira, who is involved with the Ole Miss team right now. Like, she goes to all their games, and there's tons of people there. Kentucky packs their packs their rink. Like, down south, the club hockey actually isn't that small. So if you were to put that at D1 level, I don't think, it, I don't think it's dumb. I think it's, like, why not? Yeah. No, I think that's smart. I would, um... For me, there's I have, to, I have two choices. I think you're going to hate both of them. Uh, the first one is, uh, and you're actually really going to hate this, is Buffalo. Uh, I think... I don't think they, I'd hate that. 
I because what? I don't think I'd hate that at all because they're around other D one schools already, and maybe they could be good and Buffalo could be good at something. Yeah, and dude, I mean, if you look at like NHL like uh, viewership, they're always number one. They're always the number one market. Yeah, they would have fans if they can. I don't know if they share the rink or get a new rink. And the best part too, I think, is I think there'd be so many kids from like it would be a team of Western New York hockey players. Like yeah. there would be so many kids that would stay home. And I think it's kind of like it's kind of like the SEC. The reason the SEC is so good is because they have so many kids that are close to home. The reason the Minnesota Gophers and the other schools out there are so good is because they have those kids. Yeah, Wisconsin. Like, like the BC and BU have the Boston kids, yeah. and then they're able to get the other high kids. Like they have a. a Huge crop of kids that I think would want to stay in Buffalo, and I think the games would be a sick atmosphere. Yeah, man, I, I'm actually on board with that. I think that's a good idea. The the other one, dude, and this is this is from uh, our buddies Dan. Uh, what's his name on this podcast? Who? Uh, Fever Boy Rex. Okay. Fever Boy Rex, and then who played at Delaware, and then our other buddy DJ Zumi played at West Virginia. I feel like they always told hilarious stories about playing Liberty, yep. which is like a super religious school, and they play like the Midnight Madness game, and like they're a bunch of scumbags. Yep. I think that would be a really funny program. I can see them being in the conference with like Holy Cross and like Mercyhurst and like American <laughs> Institute of College or whatever the fuck is in that. Hey, you know I see, I- dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be a perfect fit. And they would just be like the scumbags of D1, although it's like you can't like. The scumbag choir boys. <laughs> yeah, dude. That would be sick. So. Put me down for liberty as well. Um, last thing on NHL in the news, so I guess Brad Marchand took a 10-minute penalty today. I didn't really get to see the penalty, but I am going to play this clip really quick. So. Marchand also has gotten a 10-minute misconduct, so everybody cheer for a terrible call. Yeah. Terrible call. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Edwards was not a fan of that call. So can you break it down what happened? Yeah, so I mean, pretty simple. Uh, Jack Edwards, terrible Mar- goal, yeah. Marchand's, Marchand's going into the corner for a puck with Colton Sissons, who is a fa- – I'm a fan of him on the podcast. Kind of a tough look tonight. They get tangled up. Uh, Marchand's stick like, comes up to his shoulders, and Sissons just snaps his neck back yeah. and goes down to the ice. No contact. They call a penalty. Instead of going to the box, Marchand skates directly up to Sissons, grabs his face, and starts, like, rolling on the ice, pretending to dive like Sissons did. It was unbelievable, dude. Like, I I was having so much fun watching it. Apparently, the refs took offense to it and thought he was, like, bullying them or something and gave him a 10-minute misconduct. And they also gave him uh, two minutes for high-sticking, so... It was a shit show. I mean, there's so much to unravel here, dude. What are your thoughts? We have like 12. Do you want me to shoot through some of the things? What do you mean? I'm just going to shoot through some thoughts of mine. Yeah, I have go so for it. Yeah, yeah, you're hot. Uh, one, uh, the ref calling a 10-minute misconduct, that's totally because your feelings were hurt. Like, fuck off. Do you agree with that? Like, you're calling a 10-minute misconduct because he's fucking taunting the other team? Um. You think the ref was like, oh, he's making fun of me. Like, fuck you, buddy. Yeah, I think that's kind of what happened. And and as as a Bruins fan, I'd be pissed about it. But if I was that ref, like Brad Marchand just made me look really bad. Like I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw around the the very however much power I have. It's fu- it's fucked up, but like I I kind of understand why he did it. 
you know what happened after the first period. The ref went into the locker room and, and looked. And he was like, show me that play. Like, did he actually high stick him? And when he didn't high stick him, he was probably like, fuck. Fuck. Marshand like, was right. Uh, my second one on this is Twitter goes bananas for Brad Marshand. People Ooh. are talking about Caroline Hurricanes fans talking about growing the game, making it fun because they do that celebration at the end. Brad Marchand puts asses in the seat, and he fucking <laughs> nobody moves the needle like Brad Marchand, dude. Alive, people are people are calling for a suspension. People saw it. This is how fucked up people think Brad Marchand is. If, if you saw the clip of him taunting Sissons, people thought that that was Marchand actually diving. Like they thought that was him trying to like draw draw penalty. Dude, on un- he is so in people's head. Yeah. Like, what do you have on this? Yeah, story? if if if. <laughs> The fact that people thought that was him, like trying to dive, find yeah. find a different sport because like it's, you just I don't think you have any any grasp of like what's going on in the game, right? Like Brad, that was Brad Marshan. I mean, that was probably him overreacting a bit. That was him going up to Sissons and pretty much being like, "This is what you look like," right? That's exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, people calling for suspension for that. Like, I I wish we could suspend suspensions. Yeah. I think if you if you're on hockey Twitter and you call for a suspension like that, then you should be suspended. Yes. How about that? I think if you start calling for a suspension that isn't a suspension, you should be suspended from Twitter. Yeah. And hockey Twitter like patrols it somehow. Oh my that. god, can you imagine if we had the Department of Player hockey Twitter and like we and we were the commissioners and we could just fucking just start suspending people for for calling stupid shit? I know that we shit on George Peros because he's call- he's like suspending people left and right for questionable hits. But if I was the commissioner of hockey Twitter, I would be throwing out bans. Like, yeah, dude, I'd be throwing people out of the club quick. Yeah, brutal place, dude. A great a great example is I tweeted something about it, and this guy, oh man, what's his name? Charles Charles Mousseau. Uh, he com- he tweeted back like Marchand. He has. No, I, he clearly has no idea what this podcast or any our beliefs are because he said Brad Marchand's one of the biggest scumbags in the world, and he like named a couple other players. It was like, oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. and then the guy DM'd me and he goes, "I forgot about Milan Lucic." So those are four players, arguably worse. And I wanted to be like, dude. Wait, so we but, didn't we didn't DM him first? He just he just like sent us a message. He wasn't done with his comment. He just DM'd us to tell me, a Bruins fan, that Milan Lucic is. I kind of, I kind of respect it, dude. Like that, yes. that guy was, that guy was poking you in the forehead. And you want to know how this guy's a savage too? Is instead of sending an emoji, he just he did like the old like text like colon and then a P for like the tongue out face. Oh like, hell yeah! Like, <laughs> I like this guy. Yeah, I like that guy. All right, I'm okay with that. You you probably don't like him too much, but I think that's cool. It is what it is. Uh, we are now going to move on to an interview that we did with Joey Mullen. So, uh, yeah, sit back and enjoy. Here it goes. All right, guys. So joining me on the podcast today is a uh, three-time Stanley Cup winning, uh, first American ever score 500 goals, Hall of Famer, Joe Mullen. He's joining us. Joe, how's it going, man? Good, Jim. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, thank you for coming on. This is, this is another huge get for us, uh, something I'm really excited about. I mean, I'm pumped to talk to you. I'm an American. I love America. The fact that you're the first guy to score 500 goals. I watched a video. They called you the trailblazer. I love that shit. I was really excited about it. So thank you for coming on. Uh, we'll hop oh, right into it. My pleasure. I, I'm pumped. 
So to, to get right into it, how did you end up getting into hockey? I heard that you are a fantastic street hockey, roller hockey player. Does that have something to do with how you, you know, found the love of the game? Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's the way I got started. Uh, my dad, my uncles played roller hockey before I did when they were growing up. And, uh, you know, we just, you know, followed them into it. Uh, I had two older brothers that uh, played roller hockey also. And I followed them in, into roller hockey and uh, eventually into ice hockey. Okay, so was the transition from roller hockey to ice hockey kind of like a, a little bit different? Or did you just you just went from one to the other and it was just like riding a bike? Um, you broke up there, but uh, no, it wasn't too, too different. It was uh, more that uh, the skating was a little bit different. And that's the thing I had to get used to was the ice, the slipperiness of the ice and uh, getting, um, you know, on those thin blades, mm -hmm. getting my balance on the thin blades rather than uh, the quad skates that we used to have on, on, in roller hockey. So I think that was the biggest difference. Everything else with the park and the movements, I think was pretty similar. Okay. All right. So you, you went from street hockey to ice hockey. You wound up at Boston College and you absolutely ripped it up there. I, at one point in your career, did you think, you know what, man? Like, I got a good shot at making the NHL. Was it? Was there a one point in your life where it was like, okay, this this might be something that I end up doing? Uh, I thought maybe towards the end of my uh, junior year, maybe. Uh, you know, I started seeing uh, guys I was playing against start to get drafted and go into the NHL, and um, I, and I was doing pretty well at that time, so. I thought maybe I had a chance anyway. Okay, you thought you had a chance. Which brings me to my next thing is you weren't drafted, which, I mean, I'm looking at your stats right now. Your junior year, you had 68 points, 34, 30, 34 goals, 34 assists. Senior year, 32 goals, 24 assists. I mean, you were pulling the puck in the net. You don't get drafted. What What's going through your mind there? Are you like, are, do you use that as motivation? Like, do you, do you look at that as kind of a little bit like, kind of a slap in the face? Like, why, man, why wasn't I drafted? Like, what? What were your thoughts on that? Uh, I, don't, I didn't take it as a slap in the face. I just kind of was a little disappointed. Uh, would have liked to have been drafted. But then people told me afterwards, you're better off not being drafted. You know, <laughs> you, you go in as a free agent, you may have more teams uh, going after you. Mm -hmm. And it was fine. It all worked out. So, uh, you know, in the long run, it, it just worked out better for me, I guess. Yeah. So I, I, I'm looking, you played for the Salt Lake Golden Eagles in the CHL. You were pretty much a point-per-game player then. It says that you played one game for the St. Louis Blues in the playoffs. Then you go back the next year to Salt Lake Golden Eagles. You play a full year there where you put up 117 points in 80 games. I mean, that's probably more points than I've ever put up in my entire life, including, like, open <laughs> hockey. So that's impressive. The next year, in 27 games, you put 21 goals, 27 assists. You get called up to the St. Louis Blues where you score 25 goals and 34 assists. That that stat, the fact that you put up 20 goals in the CHL and then 25 goals in the NHL, that I don't know why this is the first I'm hearing of that. That's unbelievable. Like, what a year you had there. It was. It was quite a, quite a year. You know, uh, anytime you're in the minors for three years, you start to wonder, am I ever going to get a chance to – to really play in the NHL and then you get the call and you got to be ready. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think I was ready for it at that time. Uh, and 
you know, I, I went in with a lot of confidence. I had three good, two and a half good years down in, in the minors. And uh, so when I got to St. Louis, uh, I just tried to keep things going, played the same game I always played, and, and it worked out. I, I, that, I've never seen a stat like that before where somebody put 20 goals in the minors and 20 goals in, in the NHL. I mean, normally you see a guy come up from the minors and, you know, put in 10 or something like that. But the fact that you had two pretty stellar years in both leagues, I, that's kind of unheard of. Uh, then, so now you're playing with the Blues. You play with the Blues one, two, three, four, five years. You have some good years there. Uh, what was it like playing in St. Louis? I kind of went through some of the rosters that you're on. I recognize that you played with Dougie Gilmore, legend. Uh, what was, what was it like playing in St. Louis? Did you really enjoy yourself there? I did. You know, uh, I guess I was so excited just to be in the NHL at the time. Um, but, uh, we had a great bunch of guys. We had Bernie Federko, Brian Sutter, Rob Ramage, Dougie Gilmore. We had some really good players and, uh, you know, we made the, the playoffs every year, mm-hmm. which was good. Um, didn't go far, but, uh, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. But. Um, you know, I was just so excited to be in the, in the NHL, and St. Louis was a great town. People were great, the fans were great, um, and uh, I couldn't ask for a better start. Could, did you recognize that like Doug Gilmore was going to be like Doug Gilmore? Like, did you know immediately that that guy was going to be like unbelievable well, hockey player? <laughs> well, you know, actually, when Dougie came in, we they they were using him more as uh, a checker. Really. Yeah, yeah, he was a defensive guy, you know. He, he was shutting down the other team's offenses and his first couple of years, but you could see him getting better and better offensively. I mean, you you knew he had the talent, but he was just turning it up in, in the last few years in uh, St. Louis that he had. Okay, so you enjoyed St. Louis, you had fun. Young kid, you're out there ripping it up. Then you get traded to Calgary. Um as a professional, when you get traded, like, what is that feeling like? Especially going from, like, St. Louis all the way out west to Calgary. Is that just, like, a complete shock? Like, what was that like? That had to have been uh, wild. It was definitely uh, – it wasn't a shock that I got traded because uh, <clears throat> I was battling with St. Louis over a contract that summer. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew there was a chance I might get traded that year. Mm-hmm. So, so it wasn't that, but uh, I had an agreement with the uh, GM that he wouldn't trade me to Canada. Oh, and then, and then he does it. But it, And then he just went and did it anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a gentleman's agreement. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't a gentleman. <laughs> All right, so, oh, man, the Calgary Flames teams that you played with, here, here's just a list of some of the guys. Lanny McDonald, best stash I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, Gary Suter, Al McInnes, Joel Otto, Joe Newendike, Theo Fleury. I mean, we're going to get to the Penguins team and the Bruins team that you're on. You have played with some awesome players, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, you won your first cup in Calgary, and I think it was 89. What, right. what was that like for you? As, as a hockey player, as a young kid growing up undrafted, you win a cup in Canada, which... You may not have wanted to go there at first, but, like, they love their hockey there. So I can't even imagine what the celebration was like there. Right. Well, the first year I got traded to Calgary, we, we went to the finals. Okay. Um, and uh, played Montreal and lost in, in five games. So, um, you know, it was a great feeling just, you know, getting to the finals and, and realizing 
what it's going to take to win a cup. Mm-hmm. And then it took us two years to get back after that. So, um, you know, we did. And, uh, again, we were playing Montreal in the finals, and, and we beat them. So, and we beat them in Montreal. We were the only team other than the Canadians to ever win a cup in, in Montreal. So that was, that was pretty cool, I thought. And, uh, you know, it's just a great feeling to finally – realizing what it takes to win the Stanley Cup and what the Stanley Cup is all about. It had to have been extra special, the fact that you beat the Canadians, a team that beat you, right? Like, that was just kind of like, okay, we got you now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, of course, you got to go through great teams to get through, you know, get to the finals. And, uh, you know, that that first time we went to the finals, we had to go through Edmonton. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, uh, second year, uh, second time was, uh, you know, a good Chicago team and uh, L.A. and a couple other good teams that we had to get through. I mean, out of all those names I listed that you played with in Calgary, Landy McDonald, Suter, McKinnis, Otto, Newendike, Fleury, like who do you think the most special player was that you played with in Calgary? The one the one player that you were like, wow. I, were, were you ever like starstruck playing with uh, these guys? Never starstruck, really, uh, because they're such good guys. You yeah. know? They're, regu- they're regular guys, so you don't really get starstruck around them but uh, I, I it's hard to pick them out I mean who, who do you pick uh, Lanny McDonald s- stands out because of the person that he is yeah. and the player that he is and uh, the leader that he is so I I think that's the one guy that would really stick out in my mind yeah I mean that's that's insane for, for, for Calgary you scored 47 goals 40 goals 51 goals, 36 goals. I mean, near perennial 30-goal score. That's absurd. Like, again, I don't think I've ever scored that many goals in my entire life combined. Uh, so moving on from Calgary, you go to Pittsburgh. Don't worry, guys, because the names only get better and better. Uh, in, in Pittsburgh, you play with, with Mario, Yager, the Wrecking Ball, Trottier, who to me is like one of the best players to ever play the game, uh, Ronnie Francis, Paul Coffey, you win back to back cups with the Penguins. I mean, this is this these names is just it's ridiculous. Like you, you literally are a hockey almanac. Like wherever you go, you're tearing it up, and whoever you're playing with is tearing it up. It's pretty special. Uh, how was your time in Pittsburgh? Was was it just everything that I that I would think it'd be by just like looking at your stats and like seeing who you played with? Was it just unbelievable time there? Yeah, it was uh, like the the whole room was uh, the locker room was just. Uh, a thrill to go into every day and, and see these guys practice and, and, and compete. And, you know, they're just great players. They're, they're great talents and uh, they're, they're really good people. So it was a joy to come to the rink every day. And, uh, you know, Mario just glides on the ice, coffee glides on the ice. And um, to watch these guys perform day in and day out, it was unbelievable. So at this point we've won three cups. Um, your five hundredth goal. Can you kind of just kind of break that down to me? Like what, what, what was it like to to be the first guy to do that? The first American to do that, which is a pretty big deal because nobody had done it before. Yeah, I guess <laughs> uh, it was a big deal. Uh, you know, I I kind of held on uh, probably a, a year or two too long. Uh, trying to get that 500, but, uh, you know, it, it was great. It was great. Um, 
I was really pressing for it at the time. Um, I think I only had like five goals that year. I mean, uh, five goals at the time. I needed six to get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the year was starting to drift by me, and uh, I was kind of holding my stick a little tight yeah. and, and stuff. So, uh, But it finally came in on a tip-in in front of the net and, uh, against uh Colorado in Colorado. Patrick Wah, whatever, like 500 goal against Pe- <laughs> like whatever, not a big deal. Yeah, uh, and it was just a, a, a big relief to get it over with. To tell you the truth, I, 500 goals, Jesus man, that's insane. Uh, 500 goals. All right, so oh, I skipped over the fact that you played with the Bruins too. Adam Oates, Ray Bork, Cam Neely, Rick Taka. Ever heard of those guys? Yep, sure have. Uh, <laughs> Pretty good team. Yeah, not bad. So here's here's some questions, career wise. Uh, what was your what was your most memorable moment? We'll start with that one. Out of out of all the moments that you had throughout the course of your playing career, what is the one moment that sticks out to you the most? Is it like your first Stanley Cup, your third, the five hundred goals? Like what what's the number one moment? Uh, probably how nervous I was in my first game. Okay. Uh, it was a playoff game, uh, and I only got once one or two shifts in the game, but, you know, just sitting on that bench and, you know, waiting to get out there. And then when you did, how, how big those guys were and how nervous I was. So yeah. I, I think that's really will always stick in my mind. Yeah. I, I don't doubt it. Uh, so you retire and then you, you begin coaching, uh, you coach for the penguins and the, and the flyers, I guess my question for you here, so you, you had you had this illustrious career, you hang him up, and then you get behind the bench. What was the transition like going from being a player to coaching? A, a guy like you that scores so many goals, I feel like it'd be hard for you to kind of just sit back and just and coach. Like, was that was that tough for you instead of, like, really um, itching to play? Very tough. Yeah. I'm always trying to get into the drills, you know. Yeah. Uh, standing around and doing nothing wasn't my... Uh, type of job yeah so, uh, you know it was hard just to stand there and watch all the time but uh i always got a chance to jump in a few drills here and there you know especially if somebody uh, was hurt and uh we needed to fill in uh with some drills so i i, I would u- usually do that okay all right so uh we're not coaching anymore 2000 you're inducted to the nhl hall of fame what an honor like, did you ever think that this would ever happen? Tell tell me about the day that you were inducted to the NHL Hall of Fame. Like, how nervous were you? Were you just pumped? Like, it had to have been such a proud moment. Uh, from the time that I found out, I think it was in June, uh, till the time I had to make that speech, drove me nuts because <laughs> it, it was on my mind every single minute of the day. Yeah. What am I going to say? Who am I going to thank? You know, I don't want to leave anybody out. Yeah. Uh, I want to say all the right things. So I just kept going over and over and over in my mind. And the scary part when you're driving or, you know, doing something, you know, um, you know, you, you don't realize you're still thinking about this. Yeah. You know, it's got scary sometimes, especially driving. Yeah. Cause it's just on your mind the whole time. Like you should right. be focusing on the wheel, but you're like, Oh, I, I, I yeah. better, better not forget to thank this person or something yeah, along those lines. You know, it's just running through your head constantly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
some other questions for you. So throughout the entire course of your career, who is the one defenseman that you thought was the hardest to play against? Wow. Uh, I, I would say probably like a Ray Bork. Yeah. You know, because he could skate. He was, you know, physical when he needed to be. Mm-hmm. He, he was a big, strong guy, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and, and skilled, you know. So that, That's that, not, it's not that, a bad answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, out of all the players that you've played with, who do you think, talent-wise, who, who surpassed everybody else? Well, playing with, uh, you know, Mario. Yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, he was just a special guy, right? Everything that he did was just like, I mean, I remember watching him play and just being like, I mean, this guy is making this so look so easy. Like he, like he's not even trying and he's like the best guy out there. Right. And, uh, I mean, he could miss a month, two months, three months and come back and still be the best player the first time on the ice. Yeah. So you know. I, it's you and I, we've been trying to do this for a week. I, my big boy job's been messing it up. And I remember you telling me, uh, we couldn't talk one night cause you had a hockey game. So you're still playing hockey. Oh yeah. Love oh, yeah. it. I think I'll ever give it up, but you know, hopefully I don't have to. That's awesome, man. The fact that you're still going out there wheeling dealing, that's incredible. Um, I mean, I, I just, now I just kind of want to say thank you for taking time and sitting down and talking with me. Uh, this is this is a special moment for me, man. I think when I, me and my buddy House first started doing this, we never ever thought we would be talking to like a Joe Mullen or or anybody along those lines. So this this is this is pretty cool. I I want to say thank you for taking time out and and talking to us about your career because I mean, I, these names, the the stuff that you've done. I mean, you're you're a pioneer, you're an American hockey pioneer, and I I really appreciate everything you've done. I appreciate you taking time and just sitting down talking with me. This is this is really special. So thank you. Well, thank you. I'm glad we got the chance to do this also. Awesome. Thanks, man. Uh, Everybody, this is Joe Mullen. Uh, Don't forget it. Uh, Let us know what you think. And, Joe, thanks again, man. Okay, Jim. Good luck to you. Thanks, man. Thanks again for Joe uh, Joey Mullen coming on the podcast, guys. Fucking savage. Uh, Now we are going to go into Twitter questions. Yeah. Trigger fingers turn to Twitter fingers. All right, Twitter questions. We got two this week. Tommy from NC, Kane Selly, 2K18. What post-game celebration do you wish your team did after big wins like the Hurricanes? Hashtag make hockey fun again. This guy. This fucking guy, dude. Wow, I I think we got trolled on hard there. Well, answer, answer the guy's question. I mean, nothing. Just celebrate how you fucking normally celebrate, right? Like... I'm okay with celebrations during the game. There's nothing like if I'm watching a hockey game and somebody scores a big goal and then there's that giant pile that everybody jumps on that to me, I think that's like the coolest fucking thing. Like I love that shit. When I played hockey, I always made sure I was the second or third guy on the pile so I could get some serious air flying in there. So like people thought like, Oh, Hey, that guy's an athlete. Like I really, really enjoyed that part. But the whole winning after the game, doing the school shit, like, we've been over this. And I think this guy's trying to get me thrown back in the blender of the Carolina Hurricanes fans, and I'm not buying it, Tommy from NYC. How do you like that one? Huh? How do you like that? What do you have on that, Hal? I will say, um, I think this is a good point to bring up. Did you see Did you see the offensive lineman in the Canadian Professional Football League chugging the beer in the end zone after the touchdown? No, that's kind of cool, though. 
Yeah, dude, he grabbed a beer from a fan and chugged it. It was like unreal, dude. I love the CFL. I we, we talked last podcast about how I hate betting, but if there's one thing that's fun to bet, it's the CFL. That's the best time. So, I mean, if, like, guys, what if, like, I don't know, Colorado Avalanche, they play in Denver, right? Like, what if after the game, like, Corey sponsored that they all go out to center ice and crack a beer? That'd be kind of cool. It would <laughs> never happen, happen, but that'd be fucking sick. People, people are too mentally weak nowadays. Shout out Jordan Tutu. Um, now, uh, we have one other one. Seth, not much of a question, but you guys should sign up for the draft tournament in Nashville April 5th to the 7th. It's funny that he said that because that's something that I've been really looking to like get into next year, uh, putting together a team to go down to Nashville. So, and people were asking me dates. So Seth, I appreciate you telling me what the dates were. So now I'm going to get back to my people and see if I can get a team going to Nashville. How sick would that be, dude? Yeah. That's not the league that hates us, is it? Hopefully it is. I think it probably is. And I want yeah, their team. We might be banned from the league, but like we'll give it our all. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that'd be sick. If we go there, I'm absolutely not going to bring up who's running that tournament or along anything along those lines. So, uh, Next one, we are now going to go. Oh, Paddy B hotline, but Paddy B didn't leave a voicemail. Let me just double check and make sure he didn't. Guess what, guys? He sure didn't, so we're not going to do that this week. So last segment of the week, uh, Lee Stepniak, C Heroes and Zeros, brought to you by Lagos Sports. How do you augment that young group with a veteran player that brings stability, adds a little scoring punch, and has been around the block to make a difference? Tonight's focus is on that guy, number 21, Lee Stepniak. All right, man. Let's. Uh, how about we start with our Zeros of the Week? I'll go first. I pulled a groin, dude. I pulled a groin probably like three and a half weeks ago playing hockey. And I've been battling through it. And it just kept getting worse, and that's what always happens. So I did I did what I should. I took the week off. I didn't go to the gym. I just kind of hung out. It's finally fucking feeling good. And then I had an indoor soccer game this week. And I fucking took a rip, dude, and it just set it back again. Uh, so my zero of the week, my groin, dude. I have bad groins. Yeah, you have groin issues for sure. Yeah. Um, but in, I do want to say this. I think this is just an excuse, dude. Like, I feel like this is an elaborate plot. Um, I wonder, do you think the listeners can hear that I'm just walking to my fridge right now and walking back? <laughs> oh, no. But, but my point being is I think this is just an elaborate plot. For those who don't know, uh, Ked pretty much always runs our Twitter and everything. And tonight I got on our, our Twitter. Oh, here we go. At like 8 p.m. And nothing had been tweeted all weekend. So, like, I... My first concern is maybe he was ill. He was sick. I am, no, Ill. I am sick. He had been playing Red Dead Redemption all weekend, and sick. I feel like I feel like what really happened is Ked just bought a video game, and now he's and he's been really into it, but he's just trying to trick himself into believing that he's not doing anything else because he's injured. No, I do have a groin injury. I don't think that I don't think that's something we should joke about, Hal. Honestly, because I'm a little bit defensive about it. I also have been sick, but yes, I did purchase that Red Dead Redemption video game and. I mean, you can how how many video games do I ever buy? I seldomly buy a video game. I felt like the biggest loser going in there and asking this guy if I could pretend to be a cowboy for the next three weeks. So that was a little weird. Okay, so thanks for bringing it up. Well, who's your zero of the week, dude? Uh, my zero of the week is Ryan Donato. Ooh. I'm, not, I'm not going like full. He sucks. Um, and Ryan, this isn't really Ryan Donato is better than Jimmy VC. Ooh. I mean, they're the same player, but um. What I will say is the last game Donato played in, uh, he scored this goal, 
and he did this thing where he like threw the monkey off his back uh, uh, and it looked so lame and then uh, the, goal, the best part was the goal got overturned because they were offside <laughs> so the monkey that he threw off his shoulder he essentially probably climbed right back on <laughs> it was like it was like a dead wash and then like 72 hours later he got called down so that's why he's my zero. If you're gonna throw the monkey off, okay. Better make sure no one's offside. I have a question for you. What What's a worse look? Ryan Donato throwing the monkey off the back and then having you put it back on and getting sent down, or Mike Condon letting in 145 foot goal to Derek step on and then immediately being released the next day? Ah, uh, I'm gonna go the latter. I think Donato can still bounce back from this. I think Condon's done. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how you can bounce back from something like that. That's that's so bad. If I was a goalie, that'd be my biggest fear. Like yeah, I, I'd be, I would be more nervous on shots from like the far end of the rink than I would be like point blank. Oh, for oh, for sure, right? I feel like that was, especially if you were like caught like snoozing for a second, oh. and you see this puck flying down the ice, and you're like, oh my god, I gotta get in position. That's how you fuck yourself. He's yeah. probably daydreaming out there. I, 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 people know I'm not a huge step on guy, but the one thing about step on, and he didn't do it on this play, but he does this a lot. So you know when like a player is skating to get the fucking red line to get the puck in deep and change. So he doesn't get an icing. Stepan always kind of goes in and acts like he's going to fucking rim one around the boards and then last second fucking fire one on that. That's like his fucking go to like move. And I was hoping that's what happened. It wasn't. But Derek Stepan. Uh, my hero of the week. So on uh, last Monday, I normally skate in this one skate in Glens Falls. And this one guy that I skate with, 41 years old, two kids, youth hockey coach. Uh, he ended up passing away after the skate. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't really want to get into that at all. But so the next day, the guy who ran the skate told me about, you know, hey, we're doing this GoFundMe thing. I put out a blog and I think they originally were asking for like, like 3,500 bucks, 5,000 and it's already over $20,000. Uh, so my hero of the week goes to like you guys, like kind of going into action, donating money. I thought that was like the coolest fucking thing. We, I mean, I've gotten free sticks from Warrior. I've gotten boxes of beef jerky. Like we, we've gotten a lot of shit from companies and stuff that's made me kind of feel good. But I mean, this blows that all away. I think so. I, Twenty thousand dollars, and it was less than. I mean, it was like pretty much zero time. Uh, and my other hero of the week. So his son had a hockey game last night, and they packed the rink. Everybody from Glens Falls went there to watch, and the kids scored the game winner. Like no joke. So little bit of a goosebump moment there too. So here of the week, you guys, and shout out to that kid. It fucking sucks, but I'm glad that we did what we could do to help out. That was cool. That was nice, dude. Uh, my hero of the week uh, is the Hamburglar's wife. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right. the podcast know that Ked's a big Hamburglar guy. I fucking hate the Hamburglar, dude. Don't tell them lies. <laughs> so the Hamburglar's burglar's wife tweeted... Essentially, that the Sens denied the Hamburglar surgery before putting him on waivers. Um, and then she deleted the tweet immediately after. Um, so essentially, the Hamburglar's wife had a couple too many glasses of wine. She got some Twitter fingers, and she thought she was going to sound off on the Sens. Um, that's why she's my hero of the week, because it's been a hot minute since we had a juicy Sens story. I know like they just got swept 9-2 tonight uh, by the Sabres, but I mean... It feels good to be right back in the sense wheelhouse. Yeah, man. And talk about a white, like, the Hamburglar's wife is one of the more prolific wives on Twitter, and the Hamburglar hasn't played an NHL hockey game in, like, five years. Wait, is she actually? 
what do you mean? Yeah, dude, she's on it all the time. She's she blasts off tweets. Her, her and like Carlson's wife and Anderson's wife, like they're all like best friends. So like she's like one of the, one of the more active wives on Twitter. I did not know that. Yeah, and then like she has more of a career on Twitter than he does in the NHL. <laughs> that made that harsh. So that's my that's my hero of the week. I mean, you can say that, dude, but people. People look back on the time that Ottawa Senators fans were throwing cheeseburgers on the ice oh with the smile. God. It's so fucking stupid, man. I'm sure the fucking Hurricanes fans thought that was the coolest thing in the world, too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Make hockey fun again. Yeah, Ked's 80 years old. He hates having fun. Oh, my God. I'm sure he's fun at parties. I don't know. You want to get invited to my parties, so. Oh, yeah, dude. All right, um, that was the podcast this week. I hope... You guys enjoyed the uh, Joy Mullen interview and all of the shit that we had to go over. Hal, do you have any last words? No, dude. Have a good night. Yeah, everybody have a good night. And, oh, shit, one other thing. We're going to start a a gambling portion of our podcast, which is going to be released on Thursdays. It's called The Betting Crashers. Papa and a couple of his boys are going to be coming on and talking uh, bets for, like, the weekend and shit like that. So be sure to check out the podcast. They're going to be coming out on Thursdays. Uh, it's morning skate podcast, but they're called the betting crasher. So thank you. And we will see you guys later. Don't get me